Hey, it's Pastor Ted Fabianic here from Faith Love Church in Melbourne, Australia. Welcome to our podcast. We pray that when you listen to this, you'll be inspired and blessed to reach the best things that God has for you. I spent about an hour or so yesterday just catching up on the world news. And um, there are rumours of wars. There are rumours of economic collapse. There's rumours that there's a new strain coming. There are rumours of, you know, it, it doesn't sound good. But in this time, you need to know something, that your faith works. No, no. Okay. I want you to make a declaration. Is when you make a declaration, see, sometimes when we think about speaking, nothing happens unless you speak. When Jesus wanted to create, he didn't just have positive thoughts. He had a thought, he had faith, then he spoke. So nothing happens while you are silent. It happens when you speak. So today I want you to shout this out. I want you to proclaim it. My faith works. Okay, you said it like it's a Monday morning and you're not looking forward to going to work. It's a Monday morning where you can hear it raining. It's cold. The duna is up to here. And you got to, I got to go to work. And the alarm clock starts to sound and you go, I rebuke you in Jesus' name. Come on. My faith works. Amen. Amen. Hey, come on. Let's give the worship team a hand. You may be seated. There's a few. I've got a lot I want to share with you, but I'm going to try to keep it to four hours. Um, just that I have a date with Sylvie afterwards, so hey, that's going to be good. It's going to be good. Now, there are a couple of battles that we win, and we win one battle, and that gives us an opportunity to do another one. You know, the first battle a believer wins is this is that they get to a place in their faith that they believe that God can do anything. So one of the first battles that we conquer is we look at the Word of God and we go, I believe God can do anything. But that there is another battle that comes after that is this. We believe that God can do anything, but do we believe when God says that we can do anything are we so confident about that? Uh, you're allowed to get excited. I know it's COVID. Think about this. There are so much, there are so many sermons, so many books written about that God can do anything. Correct? And it's a consensus. You, theologically, it doesn't matter what, what denomination you come from. We seem to have this consensus that says, yep, I believe 
that God can do anything. But then we struggle with that the God that we said can do anything has also said to us that whatever we believe we can have. quiet again. Watch this. I've always, I've never struggled with this, that I believe that God can do anything. Where my struggle began is when God said, do you believe me what I have said about you? Do you believe that when I said this is what you can do, do you believe you can do that? Now, we won't go through the scriptures, but look it up in yourself. Mark 11 is all about what Jesus was saying this, if you want to summarize Mark 11, it's this. Whatever I can do, you can do also. You okay? You're very quiet. See, one of the things we do is the spirit of religion will allow you to believe that you can believe in a God that can do anything. But the spirit of religion rises its ugly head that he says, don't you dare believe what he has said about you. So when Jesus cursed the fig tree, what did he do? He taught the disciples that they can talk to a mountain. Jesus spoke to a fig tree and saw a miracle, and he says, but I'm telling you that you can do something with a mountain. So that our fight is that we have stepped out in faith and said, God, you can do this. You can do anything. But then we are struggling when Jesus, the same breath that God says, I can do anything, is the same breath he says, now this is what I have given to you. Now, first thing that I need you to write is this, that every one of us has the Certain gifts from God. You have a gift of eternal life. You have a gift of salvation. You have a gift of redemption. You have a gift of righteousness. You have a gift of faith. All of us is this. Every person has the same gifts, but we all don't have the same assignments. So what we do is this. My assignment is to preach. Somebody else's assignment is to lead worship. Others' assignment is to go into uh, uh, the world system and change it. So what, we've done, what you need to do is separate the assignment of God to his standing with God. So every one of us has the same standing before God. Do you realize that you are as righteous as you are ever going to be? The, your, the position of your righteousness now is going to be the same position as when you get to heaven. See, most people think that your, your, the gifts of God are completed in heaven. If the gifts of God are completed in heaven, what in the world are you doing here? Think about this. God doesn't need death to, take, to complete your righteousness. God doesn't need you to pass away in this earth and go to heaven to be completed in your faith. Come on, come on. God doesn't need 
this system that God has taken us out of to produce righteousness. God never said this, your righteousness will be complete when you die and go to heaven. So one of the things that we need to uplift about our faith is this, that every gift that God has given you works. The eternal life in you works. Your righteousness works. Do you realize there's no one here that's better than anybody else? We have been led to believe that there are people out there that are more righteous than we are. See, what happens is this. The only difference between you and me is what we are aware of. The same quality and quantity of faith is given to each of us. Now, have a listen to this. This is in Hebrews 10.34. I want to read it out of the Message Bible. It says this. Peter fairly exploded in, his, in this good news. It's God's own truth. Just stop there, right? When we start to move in faith, it's not about what other people say is true. It's what God says is true. You know, we used to use this phrase, um, God said it, I believe it, so it's the truth. No, he doesn't, no. It's truth whether you agree with it or not. Go on, smile. Come on. I love that just, it's God's own truth. Nothing could be plainer. God plays no favorites. So you know what that means? So what this means to you is this. Is the same gift of faith that was given to Paul, to Peter, is the same faith that is in you. Let me show you why. Is, you okay? You with me? I, I need you to agree with me because I, I, I'll, I'll stop here. Watch this. And I'll, I'll show you in Scripture in a little while. The reason I can say that is because the same promise was given to Peter is the same promise given to me is the same promise that given to you. So if it's the same promise, then he requires the same faith. Think about it. Because see, what's been happening is that we've had so much teaching on faith that it's watered it down to no one knows what to stand on and what to believe. So the same promise that was given to Peter is the same promise given to you, but if the, same, if the equivalent faith is not there to perceive or take the promise, then it's not yours. So when God says this, Peter, this is the promise that I give you. And Peter goes, I got it. So the promise is an indicator of the capacity of your faith. So, what's the, so what we get here is, watch this. God makes, plays no favorites. He makes no difference who you are or where you're from. If you want God and are ready to do as he says, the door is shattered out. Open. So God's opened the door that you couldn't, but he can't drag you in. So what we have here is, watch this. 
Watch this. If we believe, and I pray that you're going to shift this morning, that God has no favorites. So therefore, it means you and I, with all the apostles, prophets, Old and New Testament, we have all got the same gifts. So you and I, let's be real here. You know the only difference between you and I at the moment, right? Is the body that we live. This. I've got a Croatian body. Some of you got a Chinese body, you've got an African body. Come on. But that's the only difference. That's the only thing that sets us apart. But in the spirit realm, we can't be set apart because we have the same righteousness, we have the same faith, we have the same eternal life, we have the same promises, we have the same Father, we've got the same heaven. See, what's happening here is that somewhere down the track, somebody has instructed us that people around us have more than we have. Somewhere down a track, somebody says that, hey, you're more holy than I am. Can I go really, really, really deep? I remember as a little boy looking at the crucifixion, and I thought that um, when Jesus went on the cross, for the first couple of minutes, he died for all the people that weren't that bad. So I thought, oh, okay, they're not that bad. So if, if everybody was at that stage, Jesus would have been on the cross for five minutes. But he was on there for over three hours. And I go, the reason he had three hours is because there were stages of bad people, and some people needed three hours of suffering. Then I realized something. It took three hours for every single person to being, from being dead spiritually to being alive spiritually. So what shows me this is that when Jesus paid the full price, it wasn't in stages of how good or bad you think you were. It was one lot. So therefore, it means this, is that you get the full measure. So what happens is here is this. When Jesus died... Because you are a brand new creation. A brand new creation cannot live on the old religious system. So the old religious system required the blood of animals. It required all this work. It required daily rituals. But when God created us, when we were born again, he gave us into a brand new system. And this system makes us all on the same level. You see, you will not be any more righteous when you get to heaven than you are right now. You will not have any extra faith in heaven that you have right now. What has happened somewhere down the track in all of this religion jargon, We've, we've accepted that God, yes, God can do anything, but it's the same God that we accept can do anything said to you, said to me, if you believe all things are possible to you. So God's saying this. He says, I've come to earth saying everything's possible for me. But then he says this, I'm transferring the spirit that all things are possible unto you. Peter. Fairly exploded with this good news. God's own truth. Nothing could be plainer. God plays 
no favorites. So you know what therefore it means? Is that whatever Peter could receive, you could receive. Whatever Abraham received, you could receive. If you've ever wondered why God, by the Holy Spirit, has taken Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and talked about all those miracles. The reason he put those miracles, what he was saying to you, what he was saying to me was this. All of these miracles are possible to you. I would not put them in the Word if that were not possible to you. So God's coming up here. He says that the faith that you have works. Now, watch Hebrews 4.2. says this. For indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them. But the word which they heard didn't profit them. Not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. I want you to watch this. You, I, I remember this came alive. Uh, Pastor Silva was doing the offering message and she said this and my, my spirit exploded. I'm just going, wow, what's this? First thing about Hebrews you need to know this is that God had an assignment for over for every single person that came out of Egypt so it is estimated that there were over 3 million Israelites that went from Egypt into the desert to go into the promised land. Over three million assignments were all exactly the same. So when you see this um, chapter four, it is God brings over three million people and he says, you're in this state but my assignment is for every single one, every man, every woman, every child. You're moving. You're moving from one place into another. So the assignment is the same. Do you know what your assignment is? Is to receive all the promises of God. The Bible says this. We'll, we'll deal with it in the later during this year. But the Bible says the way you see the character and the nature of God is to receive promises. So the nature of God that is in you is there to receive. So he says this, for indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them. Put this, same gospel. So if it's the same gospel, it's the same faith. And if it's the same faith, it can do the same thing. But it says, but the word which they heard didn't profit them. Just watch this. The word of God, when it is read through revelation, will always profit you. It's not to inform you. It's not just to instruct you. But it is there to profit you. To make, for a, to make a profit, you don't break even. So what does it do? The Word of God is not there just for survival. The Word of God is not there, well, I survived this, I survived this. So the Word of God says this, but the Word which they heard didn't profit them. So what happens is this, what, the same Word 
that was given to Abraham and he became the father of faith is the same word given to you. Let's just go a little bit deeper here. God has never watered down the word and come to you and given it to you. God has never devalued a promise and then given it to you. So the same word that was preached to three million people with an open door that came, didn't profit them because they didn't mix it with faith. So here's the key. Watch this. The three million Israelites had the word and they had faith. The Bible tells me here that he says they didn't mix it. Now, you can't mix faith if you haven't got faith. Isn't that true? See, to mix something, you have to have two ingredients. And you put it, I saw, saw that was, Pastor Silva was making a cake, and I was fascinated. She's got this bowl, and she sticks it all in the bowl, different ingredients, and the mixer does the work. The cake is fantastic. Uh, I was thinking she should make it for communion one day. But see what it is? You, she's got this ingredient, this ingredient, she puts it in the mixer. The mixer is designed to combine the two ingredients and make a cake. But you can't mix it. So I want you to write this down. Every time you hear a promise, it's an indicator that you have faith to receive the promise. See, I, that's why confidently I, I've, I can preach to 100,000 people and tell them, if you believe Christ, you will be saved, you will be born again without a shadow of a doubt. Every time like we do big evangelism crusades, I'm confident. People go, well, well, Ted, are you sure that God wants every one of them? Of course he wants every one of them. So what we have here is this. The missing part with you is the mixing. Okay, here's the question. How do you mix it? How do you mix it? Just, just pause for a moment. You have faith, correct? You have faith. You have the word. How do you mix it? Let me show you how. I've been pondering about this, and then um, I, read the, I read a couple times during the week, I read Hebrews 11, Hebrews 11. And then I came to this verse, which I skipped over so many times. And it was this is that God first came to Abraham while he was in his father's house and said, I want you to leave your father's house, your father's relatives, and I want you to go into a place that I'm not going to give you telling you where it is. You'll know it when you get there. I want you to get out of here. And he says this, Abraham left. He acted on the word. Job, I'm sorry, the book of James, our, our brother James said it this way. He says, if you receive the word but never act on the word, you're looking yourself in the mirror and then you turn around and you forget what you're looking for. 
See, the Bible says this. Then watch this. Within the word faith, there is works is embedded into it. So what happens is this. The mixture is I act on the word. So when God says that you are righteous, how do you mix it? You act as you act righteous. See, uh, one day in 1983, in Bridge Road, Richmond, was a church called Richmond Temple. I walked in a single man. Single, had everything that was mine, could do whatever I want. I walked in, I sat next, I stood next to a woman. Really good-looking woman. There were people watching. Um, the pastor came in, and he, I can't remember what he said, but all I remember, he said to me, say, I do. I was so nervous, I couldn't read. You know, and I said, I do. See, from that moment on, I was married. I'm serious. I was kind of married. I mean, legally, spiritually, I'm done. It's a done deal. I'm, I'm married. But here's the thing. My fight was, is that I was married, but in so many things I still thought like a single person. I still acted like a single person. I acted like Sylvain loves cricket. <laughs> so so, so I, I tell her, look, hey baby, I tell you what, uh, we've got a test match coming on, um, five days. Mm-hmm. Just bring enough food so we don't have to go out for five days and we're going to watch cricket. And it's so good if you fall asleep and you wake up, it doesn't change. It's brilliant. But see, what happens is this, is that so many people get married, but they still act single. You know why? Because they didn't mix it. How do you mix it? You start acting. So therefore, let me show you this. Well, how do I do that? How do I act right? How do I mix righteousness like this? The Bible says, come boldly before God. So I act bold. I don't do this. Uh, um, Father, uh, sorry, I won't, I won't eyeball you because he who looks at your face dies and I want to die. You go to your father and you go, Father, I have a need. I thank you for it. You good? Isn't it amazing how we've got so many Christians that don't act like Christians? You've got to get excited. Come on, it's Sunday morning. So what happens is this, is that you need to mix faith with your righteousness. And what happens is this, all of a sudden now, I don't see myself as a sinner. I see myself as a son of God, and there I act like a son. I talk like a son. I believe like a son. L- let me just put something here. We need, I need to clarify this with you because you're, so, you're the smartest congregation alive, correct? Correct? Now watch this. There's a theology. It's called forensic theology. And the term forensic, you've got CSI, you've got all of that. That means that if I investigate your life, 
I will find out who you really are. And instead of giving you a two-hour lecture, I did the two-hour thing too, so I can give it to you in a couple of seconds. Thank you. Thank, thank you, thank you, thank you. Now, just, forensic theology says this, is that when you get to heaven, if you look closely in your life, you will notice this. You're a sinner that was saved by grace. You're a sinner saved by grace. That means if we lock back down, you started as a sinner. But the Bible says that you are brand new. Excuse me? See, when, I remember buying our first car that was new. Do you know what was really, when, you know what was, one of the things I never ever had to do with our brand new car was this, to check if the parts were new. I never had to go, I wonder if they used a second hand chassis. I wonder if they didn't, excuse me? If you're buying a used car, yeah. You need to get it checked out. That's why there are services that tell you. But do you realize there are no services to tell you if it's a new car? Because it's new. It's got a build date on it. So many of us still think that we are sinners trying to be righteous. We think that we are sinners trying to have faith. We think that we are these people that are trying. But I tell you what, can I, ask, can I as your senior pastor, tell you this? Stop it. Stop trying. You're not trying to be righteous. You already are righteous. You're not trying to be holy. You are holy. See, if you want to mature, you've got to get over this. We, we need to get over that I didn't get a lucky break. That I, God just didn't pick me out and left it all there. So watch this. What happens when you don't mix faith? Listen to this, James 4.2. You jealously want what others have. Watch this. The only way you could be jealous what others have is because you believe that you can't get it. See, okay, just say you've got $20,000 in the bank, right? And you see somebody else with a $20,000 car. You, you, because you know you've got $20,000. You don't get jealous of that person because you've got $20,000. You can go and buy it. You good? The only way jealousy, the spirit of jealousy, can put its roots into you is to make you believe that you haven't got it in you to have what they have. So if you're not mixing faith, you're jealous. You're jealous of somebody's wife. You're jealous of somebody's husband. You're jealous of somebody's job. You're jealous of somebody's house, car, holidays, where they eat, what they donate. The spirit of jealousy works on lack. The spirit of jealousy 
tells you you haven't got it in you. See, when you go to a restaurant and you see all this food going by, you don't get jealous because that person's ordered it because I've got the money to buy what they have, so therefore I don't have to be jealous. So in church... If somebody comes up with a brand new car next to the car park, you don't have to be jealous. I was talking to a pastor. A, 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 a new member came. Somebody came from, you know, from the community into the car with a brand new Merc. And guess what happened in the car park? Somebody in church got the key and scratched. Church? Why? Because somebody in church saw that car God jealous, and he goes, how dare they have that car? This is church. See, James here is telling us what our ungenerated heart that hasn't been touched by God looks like. He says, let's go back to it. You jealously want what others have, so you begin to see yourself better than others. Why should they have it? You scheme with envy and harm. <laughs> schemers. How many schemers do we have in the house? Don't put your hand up. I'll do it for you. Have you ever schemed? Have you ever schemed to get a promotion so, you, so you, you, the only time you work really hard is when the boss is walking by? I mean, I, I, I remember being... <laughs> I, I had... My office, and, and then we had a, a PA. She was the PA for me and the general manager. And then we had, uh, what's his name, uh, had all the other people in that, the sales representatives and all of that, right? And I, for the first time, I, I got what scheming was like, right? Is when my, when my general manager walked out of the room, everybody's pace picked up. Why? The scheming. Okay, we'll leave it there. <laughs> to obtain or, or you, oh, sorry, you scheme with envy and harm others to selfishly obtain what you crave. That's why you quarrel and fight. Wow. Then he says this. All the time you don't obtain what you want, because you don't ask God for it. The reason you haven't got it is because you haven't asked God. See, what happens is this, is when you are persuaded that God is not going to give it to you, you turn to scheming. You turn to working harder. You turn to, I'm going to get an extra job. Now, listen to me very carefully. I'm not against work, but there are times where people get a second job, get this third, fourth job. The family goes down the tube. Everything goes down the tube. And God says, you don't have to do it the world system. The world system looks at others, it craves. But God says, you, the reason you don't have it is not because you're not smart enough. It's not because your finances are low. It's not because you haven't got the influence. It says you haven't got it because you don't ask for it. And the reason what happens is this, 
is because if we are used to asking without mixing it with faith and it doesn't happen, the spirit that rules the world comes in and says, you see, God doesn't want you to have it. It's not God's will. It's not this. It's not this. It's not that. So I'm here to tell you, and I really felt that this is my assignment for you, is that your father wants to let you know personally your faith works. That means from now on, you don't have to scheme. You don't have to be jealous over anything. You don't have to, have, you don't have to do it the world system. You know, I remember being asked one question when I was um, working for the company I was. It was like this. Ted, who did you have to crawl up to to get this promotion? I said, pardon? He says, who did you have to crawl to to get this promotion? I says, I, I don't crawl. And he goes, come on, there's no way that you can go from being here to being there. And I go, yeah, well, how did I get the promotion? I asked God. I've said this before, but I feel I need to say it again. I remember being with my general manager. We were going to our biggest client. We were driving down um, to Esso back then, to Gippsland. And um, he looked at me and he said this, Hey, Ted, I want to know your secret. I want to know your secret because you're getting clients, you're getting this, is that, he goes, we had clients that we wanted to have for years and um, these clients have come to you. What, what, what's your secret? In my mind, I am thinking of every logical explanation why I'm really good at it. Because I'm just thinking, hold on, this, 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 this guy, uh, and I'm going, God, help me. God, give me an answer so that I look good in front of him. And I remember the Holy Spirit so directly in the car, tell him the truth I go no because if I tell him the truth I will be asking you for another job <laughs> Jesus you really don't get it Jesus Jesus, you, you don't get it okay you, you, you're good with the heavenly stuff but this is machinery Jesus Jesus, just, just leave the machinery to me you do this and I'll do it and so, so I looked at him and I said, Lou, um, back then, we used to send letters. I don't know, most of you don't know what that is. It's a letter, it comes in a postbox. Right? It says, I lay my hands on every contract. Yeah. And it goes, well, and I designed this machinery that really took off. And it says, Lou, you know how we got this machine going? And I go, what happened? Well, you see... Um, we finished dinner, and I put all these components together on the kitchen table, and all of a sudden, I knew what to do, bang, 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 and we figured it out, and we did it. And he goes, it was God that gave me the actual blueprint of how to do this. And I said, and um, I actually also lay hands on machines as well. <laughs> I remember laying hands on machines. I said, God, I don't get how this works. I laid my hands on it, and God said, it's this, this, and this, and this. So I told the guy that was working on it, I want you to do this, and this, and it started. Now watch this. I said it to him, and, I'm, and I am now ready to look for another job. But instead of that, I got promoted. 
Because watch this, is when you know the source, your striving stops. When you start mixing it, it's the faith that works for you. You're not trying to work for the faith. I just really want to encourage you. And the reason being was this, is that I felt God speaking to me, and I'm just about to, just to close is this, is when I looked at the stuff that's being pumped out in the media about fear, about all of this, we need to be assured that our faith is going to work in this time. Faith doesn't just work when things are going good. Faith just doesn't work when all of this is going. Faith works in the darkest hour, the biggest storm, the biggest lack. God says, your faith works. Your faith works. I'm here to tell you this is that your faith works. You're here this morning because your faith works. You're going to, if you happen to, your Simon finished today, you're going to go to heaven because your faith works. Your finances are not going to decrease, they're going to increase because your faith works. You're not going to die, you're going to live because your faith works works. You're not going to get sick, you're going to get healthy because your faith works. Your family will grow up to be pillars in the society because your faith works. Your marriage is going to increase because your faith works. You are going to get a promotion because your faith works. I'm going to keep saying it until you get excited. It could be a long day. I'm going to close on this because this is what makes you attractive to the world is because they are trying to get what you have got by faith and they come short and they've got no one to look at. Isn't it amazing that if somebody from the, if somebody from the, prob, if, from the community walks into our church with huge problems and he says, Wow, the church is so full of the same problems as I have. Why do I want to come? What we want is for sick people to come in but come out healed. What we want to do is have broke people that can't pay their bills that, that are so scared to answer the phone because it's somebody, the collector's coming to say, hey, something is working. See, what, we, what God wants to do for you is this. This is what God wants to do with us. He wants us to have a breakthrough so that people that need a breakthrough will know what a breakthrough looks like. How will I know if somebody doesn't go and preach the gospel? So your assignment, God wants, God wants to show your faith off to the world. I'm excited. The reason that I'm excited about that is because God loves the world so much that he's, not just gonna, he's never going to stop promoting himself through me. God's never going to stop promoting himself through the church. God's not going to stop promoting himself to your life because he says this, I want the world to see what my faith can do in you. Come on, I want you to stand with me. We're going to pray. You feeling good? We're going to make some declarations right now. 
I want you now, after you've heard what I've said, the word is there. I want you to start to mix it by faith from today onward. I want you to now to start to act righteous. I want you to start to act worthy. I want you to start to act as faith-filled. The way what happened was this. Just look at me for a second. Moses is sitting at the dinner table with all of his relatives, family. They're all kind of in a, in a big place. And he stands up and he says, God spoke to me and I'm going. And the father-in-law says to him, where are you going? He goes, um, I don't know. How do we, but God said it. He said, I have to go. But, but give, give me a map, map, map reference. No, no, God said, I've got to go. And you know what he did? He got up, he mixed it with faith and went, and he became the father of the faith. So today, you are going to act on your faith. So lift up your hands with me. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, I just come to you. Father, we come to you as a church. Father, we have the word. Father, we have faith. And Father, as Faith Life Church right now, Father, as a faith community, but Father, also as individuals, Father, we're going to walk, we're going to mix it with faith. We're going to mix it with faith. Father, we are going to worship by faith. We're going to greet each other by faith. Father, we're going to speak by faith. We're going to hear by faith. Father, right now, we mix it. Father, Right now, we have the ingredients. And from this day onward, Father, we mix everything with faith. We have your word, we have faith, and we are going to act on it. And we are going to see amazing breakthroughs in every family, in every business, in every situation, in every marriage, in every relationship. Father, I thank you for amazing breakthroughs in 2022. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Come on, give God a hand.